Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers. Now. Well, you know, guys, I have to tell you this this morning. The thing that uh, concerns me a little bit is we just don't know how good the Suns are. Because uh, at this point in time, with the addition of Kevin Durant, they really haven't been challenged in a game. So we really don't know how good they are. And I'm anxious to see how good they're going to be. That's Al McCoy, legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Suns, who joins us every Wednesday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. That was part of our visit last week with Al. and. He poignantly laid that question out mm-hmm. there, and it uh, came uh, into the light on Sunday. We we didn't find out how good they are. We I think we saw a very, uh, I don't know, weird performance by the Suns. Very they, weird they, performance. They, they got outplayed yeah, uh, they did. By, by the Clippers. Yeah, it, they didn't right. make shots, and there was a bunch of little things that really uh, factored in, in that five-point loss to the Clippers. But, you know, tonight... We need to find out how good the Suns yeah. are and can be, or else this could be a very short series. There is, a, there is a lot of heat and a lot of criticism on Monty Williams, not just among the fan base, who who properly, in my opinion, targeted him as one of the chief um, liabilities in that game one loss, but from national media who could not understand why Monty Williams passively watched the offense roll through options and settle for shots that were not taken by Kevin Durant. And people pointed out, Colin Coward, among others, that most coaches in that situation would either scream from the sidelines or call timeout and say, get the ball to him. Okay? So there's that. So there's the pressure on Monty Williams. There's pressure on DeAndre Ayton to box out, to play with a little more force uh, around the basket to rebound because when you look at where that game went south, it was that three offensive rebound possession late in the game that really kind of threw that game off the rails for the Phoenix Suns. It was just a microcosm, but but they've got to be, they, they can't be out-rebounded and they can't give no. up second chance points um, to, to the Clippers because that was a big deal. The Clippers won the margins in game one. They won the little battles. They won the hustle battles. They had 15 offensive rebounds. They Their bench extended the lead by one point over a five-minute span in the second quarter. They erased a seven-point lead over a stretch in the final three minutes of the third quarter. Yes. They won all the margins. All the margins. And, and that is not acceptable. So there's all of that. Then there comes down to the, okay, Monty Williams and his offense, the beloved .5 offense. Okay, at some point in time, you need to step aside, let your superstars take over. And and I understand the idea of playing the right way and making the right pass. But but let me throw a stat at you that shows you. Um, we all know we all assume Kawhi Leonard was the best player in Game One, right? That's that's unsaid. Well, I don't have a problem. Saying okay. That. So according to one statistical analysis, all of Kawhi Leonard's twenty four field goal attempts were contested. All of them. Sixteen of them were not assisted by a teammate. That's a superstar. Putting a game and a team on his shoulders. Yeah. 24 field goal attempts. Every one of them were contested. According to this, I don't know what these these stats are. You might. I don't. His shot quality was 39%, whatever that means. His effective field goal percentage was 60%. He That's spe- a good number. <laughs> okay, he also spent more time as Kevin Durant's primary defender than any other Clipper. Guarded Durant on a team-high 29 possessions. So that's a big workload but for Kawhi Leonard. If that's going to be the case and Kawhi's going to get that defensive workload on Kevin Durant, the Suns and Kevin Durant need to make it harder well, on Kawhi Leonard. 
it on that end of the floor. And right. I, I, so, you know, I crunched some numbers yesterday, too. Durant went 0 for 5 to start the game. 7 for 10 to finish the game. But why only 10 shots? Durant went 6 minutes and 26 seconds of the fourth quarter without taking a shot before his 3 cut the lead to to 124. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to 3 with 124 left. The Suns also, when Durant wasn't shooting... There was two crucial stretches, almost back-to-back in the fourth quarter, where the scoreboard got stuck. The Clippers were up 97-96. The Suns then missed four straight shots and four straight opportunities to take the lead away. Booker shot at once. Paul shot at once. Aiton shot it twice. A bit later, they had three more possessions down 199 to take the lead, and they missed all three. Paul shot twice, eight and shot once. Wow. Yep. That's seven yep. shots mm-hmm. in that scenario where you're not going to that guy. That's going to change. Senseless. Yes, that, that is definitely going to change. And the Clippers know it, too. They they even talked about it yesterday. They understand what's happening. So um, you saw Kawhi ding up KD a lot down the stretch late in the game. They also guarded Kevin Durant with a rotation of Eric Gordon, Russell Westbrook, and Nicholas Batum. Uh, Durant struggled against those three guys. He had decent success against Kawhi, made four or five shots. Mm-hmm. But but my point is this. They're, so they're coming at KD in waves and it with different styles, which is not unlike that series way back in the day. Do you remember when Patrick Beverly guarded KD when KD was on the Warriors and Beverly was on the Clips? Yep. Remember that? Uh-huh. And what a what a circus that turned into and a sideshow that turned into? Um, yeah, KD has got to, I think, tonight just force the issue. Yep. Uh, Monty Williams says he definitely has the green light to do that. I think he has the license to play an attack mode all the time. Takes the right shots. He can get his shot off any time. Um, are there a few times where he could have taken the shot and not passed it? Yeah, but I don't want to get in his head. I, I think he's always trying to make the right plays, but he knows the right play is him shooting the ball, and everybody else knows that. Yeah, and how do you do that? How do you get him more involved in shooting? No, it's everything. It's needing to get him the ball uh, in certain spots. Uh, them doing a, a good job of denying him the ball, but. We can create some more environments for him to, to live freely in live ball situations. And then sometimes just giving him the ball so he can bring it up the floor create opportunities. Yeah, I expect to see a much different looking Kevin Durant tonight. And really a Suns offense that looked out of sorts and, and kind of te- tentative mm-hmm. the, the whole game on Sunday night. I, yeah. You know, now they, you know, they tasted their own blood for the first time with Kevin Durant out there. We don't know what any adjustments will be. We'll get into some of the possibilities of what we could see later on in the show. But I, I you know, generally speaking, I think we're going to see a much different looking Suns team tonight. Yeah, I would think so. I, I think there was a marked difference in their focus and their defensive tenacity in the second half of game one. That should be apparent from the the tip tonight. Mm-hmm. If it's not, you will we'll have real issues with this basketball team. Um, there's the line of thinking that will the Clippers be sated? Will they be will they play with less urgency because they've already got that victory yeah. in their back pocket? Which it sometimes it's subconscious. You, it, you, you can't avoid it. We you did what we needed series? to do. Yeah. Can't yeah. yeah. Can't manufacture desperation as much as you'd like to. Regardless of what happens tonight, they're going home in a great spot. Exactly. Yeah. So so even if they warn themselves against it, it's human nature. So yeah. um so is there an antidote to that to that? I, I really uh, this last thing I'm going to say about this because like anybody I I did a lot of mocking of Russell Westbrook. I did a lot of mocking of him during the game in game 1. By the end of it I felt 
foolish because what he did is exactly what I want from the Suns team, and that is to fight through all adversity. Individual, collective, whatever. Fight through it all to the very end. The way Russell Westbrook finished that game, it was almost like his the level of energy he had at the end of the game. It was just so. It was just electric. Yeah, it and was. It was a defiance almost. Yeah, and a lot of that might yeah. have been frustration for him not being in those situations in the regular season with the Clippers because normally he's on the bench at that time. Yeah, and he might be for this series. Right. So even though. Um, even though he was laying bricks like he's prone to do. Don't say that word. I know. That's, that's a trigger. Westbrook, Westbrook, <laughs> Westbrook. Trigger, trigger. Yeah, yeah the point yeah, just the point is that fight through everything tonight, please. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's time for character counts presented by Parker and Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Congratulations to Andrew Rowe of Notre Dame Prep, who was named the winner of the Character Counts ten thousand dollar scholarship throughout the fall season. We highlighted ten finalists who were nominated by parents, friends, and teachers. Two years ago, uh, Andrew was uh, diagnosed with a form of juvenile arthritis and is now a junior ambassador for the Arthritis Foundation. In his role there, he's taken part in health fairs and fundraising for the cause. He even authored his own book, Archie Airplane Has Arthritis. Roe is one of the uh, best on the pitch in lacrosse and has been named an Under Armour All-American in the West Region for three consecutive years. Again, congrats to Andrew Rowe and all the nominees. Character counts presented by Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical, your one-stop shop for total home comfort. Coming up next, again, we'll check in in Los Angeles, get the perspective of the Clippers as we head into Game 2. We'll be joined by Petros Papadakis from AM570 in LA next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Marotta talk Suns Clippers. Now. Yeah, leading up to game two tonight at Footprint Center. Suns in an 0-1 hole. Can they even it up? Will the Clippers go home up two games? Here to give us the L.A. perspective from AM570. Petros and Money. Petros Papadakis joins Petros. us here. Petros. Hello, and guys. What's up, Petros? How are you, man? I'm good. It's always good to be on with Vince and Bickley. And Likewise. Talk about the Valley of the Sun and all the lizard people out there. You know, I bought, uh, I didn't buy, I buy crickets every day in a big, stupid, like, rock and stuff, but I ended up in, like, some gag gift thing over Christmas in my stupid neighborhood with a bearded dragon lizard. Ooh. And, you know, I'm not a pet person. I'm allergic to dogs and stuff. And I've just been caring for this lizard since Christmas and staring at it. It and adjusting what's, the heat. What's it called? Uh, it's a bearded dragon. It's a kind bearded of bearded dragon lizard. Sounds like our producer, Petros. Yeah. <laughs> they get pretty big. Is he big? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's bearded. Are you and saying he's bearded? Should, are you saying we should feed him crickets? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, uh, that's hard to find them. You know, you go and people are hoarding their crickets because they want to feed their bearded wow. dragon. It's like finding <laughs> is, cocaine. <laughs> All right. How much should Suns fans and the Phoenix Suns be concerned about this Clippers? team that stole game one. 
Oh, I don't know. Nobody here in L.A. wants to be associated with the Clippers. <laughs> I mean, and, and I grew up a, La- uh, a Laker hater, you know, and I still because the Clippers just there's something about the, the franchise that just carries the stigma of failure, even though they have this great owner who is willing to do anything. They turned a lot of people off at the beginning of the season because they were favored so heavily to do well. And they did so much load management that they really were just kind of a middling squad all year. And now Kawhi Leonard's like the best player in the NBA, or at least looks like it night in and night out. So on the court, yeah, I'm sure it's it's concerning for Suns fans after a, an up and down year of their own when people have high expectations. I think there's going to be a lot of drama to come, and I think it's going to be a knockdown drag out fight uh, to the end. But it is kind of an interesting basketball dynamic in Los Angeles now, one that we've never had before, whereas the Lakers make people uncomfortable because of LeBron James. He feels like a mercenary in town. The Laker brand feels kind of like it's being uh, rented to him and, and his people. And it's odd. Now, these moves they made and bringing in different guys and all that stuff, uh, that's kind of got some people excited. And then again, nobody wants to be associated with the Clippers because their front office and their team is great, but their marketing and their people and everybody they're involved with that you deal with as a media person is is like a almost like a demon that can do only bad things. So it's interesting. It's very strange times. Um, You bring up some fascinating points on the Clippers' place in the L.A. landscape, Petros. Uh, and, And this is maybe an exercise that's impossible to complete. But from your perspective, somebody who grew up as a Lakers hater and somebody who doesn't want to be associated with the Clippers, what would L- what would L.A. be like if the Clippers actually made it to a finals and won the damn thing? It would be probably like the Rams winning the Super Bowl, mm. a parade that is quite small. <laughs> <laughs> like a WNBA-level type of parade. Uh, it's an interesting question because I haven't always been not wanting associated with the Clippers. Just I, I just can't stand the people that... that run it now uh, as far as our uh, media access and all that stuff goes. But uh, when I was really young and I lived across from what was then Staples Center before they built LA Live and all that stuff and downtown was still a deadly place like it is today, I used to go every night to Clipper games. I had a credential and I would go to Lakers too and that was like the Elton Brand teams that made the playoffs and that kind of had like a blue collar vibe in the stadium and it always does. The Clipper games have a much more interesting dedicated fan base then the Lakers have a lot of a lot of people who just want to be seen in the lower bowl, and the real fans you know, tend to be way up toward the top or just priced out altogether. Uh, and that's happened in the NBA kind of in a widespread way, even though the players don't play, which is really interesting. We have to protect basketball players from playing basketball. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's yeah. wild. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Elton Brand teams kind of had that vibe, and then you had like the Blake Griffin, Chris Paul stuff, Yeah, and that felt like... Like uh, nationally, like a highlight thing, but locally didn't really resonate with them. Because ah. Kobe was still in town, right? But uh, they became much more of an attraction. And, and now you have this with a with a really excitable owner and uh, great players who don't talk to the media th- 
traditionally. I mean, no one can talk to Kawhi. And if Paul George wants to do anything, he does it on his own podcast, mm-hmm. which is just kind of odd. But uh, that's, and they're building this big new stadium in Inglewood. So, uh, I mean, I just, um, I, the, the answer I gave you with the short one was a better answer than going through the history. Uh, <laughs> It would be like the Rams parade. Gotcha. That's very interesting, especially what you said about um, LeBron, because last year during the Suns-Clippers playoff series, there was a a dude who was painting this incredible mural of Kobe on a building. And I went over and I talked to him. I'm like, isn't this LeBron's team now? And he's like, I am doing this because we cannot let this poser sort of take over what belongs to Kobe. And I was like, that's unbelievable for a mindset. So tell us more about LeBron and the suspicion and the skepticism. Well, in his time, right, Kobe was polarizing in his own way. And you did have your people that talked about Wilt and Jerry West and James Worthy and Magic. And this is not my Lakers, this Kobe guy. You had Kobe fans and Laker fans, right? The way Kobe's life ended and all that has has really just erased a lot of those negative feelings, which is understandable. And the way that LeBron has kind of come in and communicated is not I mean Kobe used to come on our radio show and complain about Jerry Buss for God's sakes I mean it was a much different relationship Kobe had with the fans and the city mm-hmm. and he wasn't afraid to talk to anybody and just the level it's it all comes along with a modern day NBA the the tunnel walk era the load management era the player empowerment area uh, era has turned a lot of people off. It, there's just, just whatever you think of it or don't, it's turned a lot of people off. And LeBron's kind of the face of that. And bringing that to L.A. and dressing it up in a Laker uniform, uh, he's not one of us. He didn't come here to start his career. He didn't grow up in a Laker uniform. One of the only guys they have doing that on that team is Austin Reeves. And he's becoming kind of a, a darling. Uh, he was in town a couple years ago, but now it's starting to become more of a national thing yeah. that they're in the playoffs. But it just, he feels like a mercenary, I guess. And people, you can do all the media blitz you want. You can push ESPN to push your kid out into the front where he probably shouldn't be. You can do all of this stuff, bully the shoe companies to shape the narrative, all of those things. But people aren't as stupid as you think uh, in this town as far as that goes. And sports is just a minor interest compared to all the other things that everybody's up to, which has always been problematic in town ask the Rams and Chargers. So uh, nobody's really bought it, I guess. And the bubble championship and trying to sell that as an accomplishment didn't go very far either. Petros Papadakis from AM570 in LA, our guest. Before we let you go, we're up against a break, Petro. So like 15 seconds. You guys hold on to your clock. (laughs) All I do is I just shoot at the clock with a bazooka. (laughs) We've tried. It doesn't work. Uh, Tell that bearded dragon not to be all fucked up. 15 seconds or less. We haven't had you on in a while. As a proud USC Trojan, former team captain, what are your thoughts about the last year of the uh, Trojans in the Pac-12 and moving to the Midwest? Well, you know, you could say that uh, they fixed USC football and fixed it financially and fixed it 
relationship with the coach and all of that stuff. And UCLA, too. And so they're headed in a different direction. It's just really sad for me because 15 years ago this happened with Larry Scott and the university presidents weren't able to recognize it. They all failed us and they wrecked West Coast football as we know it. And I'll never forgive them. But trying to save the Pac-12 now by saying, well, a San Diego State, ha <laughs> ha, you know, yeah. that, that ain't going to work, guys. The money's gone and some people are going to end up in a giant Mountain West looking thing and some people are going to go to the Big Ten or the Big 12, maybe even the ACC. But for all practical uh, purposes, uh, all of our lives, the football that we're used to is over. Yeah. Well said. Very good stuff, Petros. Thank Thanks you, Petros. so much for coming on with us. We appreciate it, man. We'll talk again soon. I was over 15. That's, That's all right. That was we'll, worth it. We'll allow it. <laughs> See you, bud. <laughs> Thanks, Petros. Give that guy some crickets. Calm him down. <laughs> Petros Papadakis, AM570 in LA, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming up next, Sarah takes us through the big stories of the day, rush hour reboot style. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot, everybody, when we go through the top stories of the day every single day at this time on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hi. With Vince Murata. Let's find out how tough you are. I want to know right now how tough you are. Come on. Woohoo! That's going to be the sound at Footprint Center tonight. And you got it. Jared Carlin. <laughs> Fond du Lac, huh? <laughs> yeah. Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. No, Fond du Lac, Ohio. Fond du Lac. Fond du, oh, Fond du Lac, Lac well, Wisconsin. How did, Wisconsin. What, what, what is, how did you know that city? Yeah. Population 44,000. Oh, is that right? I know things. Because he knows. Well, <laughs> he drinks and he no, I didn't know if that was like a things. reference from like a movie or something. Uh, it's just the first Midwestern town that came to mind. There you go. Randomly. All right, game two tonight between the Suns and the Clippers in downtown Phoenix. The Suns are looking to even up the series after dropping game one on Sunday, 115-110. The Suns spent the first quarter and some change really looking unlike themselves, very hesitant on offense, not in attack mode, as I think we all expected to see out of the Suns. And the head coach, Monty Williams, spoke about that yesterday. I thought there was some hesitation. I wouldn't call it panic or any. I just thought we were hesitant. When they had Zubach on Tory, instead of just going at him with D.A. and then picking rolls and taking advantage of that, we did it one time, D.A. got a dunk. I thought we were a bit hesitant, and we were slow. We were getting into our first option with 14 seconds on the clock. That's not what we did. So I think tomorrow we'll have more um, urgency to get down the floor, but we got to get the ball. Can't give up that many offensive rebounds and expect to play fast. Right. Uh, like he just referenced there, the Suns really lacked in offensive boards. In bench contributions, bench scoring, that was brutal. And then generally, like he pointed out, playing reactive rather than being the aggressors. So, guys, what are the biggest differences you are hoping to see from the Suns' performance on Sunday to their performance tonight? Um, urgency from the tip-off, field goal attempts for Kevin Durant and... I thought just those two. Yeah. Those two. I think it's overall aggression for me, yeah. and that couldn't bleed into more shots for the guys that need to be taking the shots in, in big spots. Aggression and finding a body and blocking out. And upon rewatch of that game, 
I think we failed, and maybe a lot of people are failing to give Mason Plumley his proper credit. He was huge in that game, and he had mm-hmm. a couple of really pivotal plays in the second half um, that that kind of went in the in the Clippers' favor. And a lot of it was just what he does. I mean, he's active, and the Suns failed to to match that activity. So yeah. overall aggression needs to uh, needs to increase tonight. And he did it all with a finger that was pointing in the wrong direction. Oh what? yeah, that was gross. So gross. That was gross. Oh man, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he he was he was everything for the Clippers on Sunday. Thirty eight points from him, leading all scorers. Tori Craig spoke about Kawhi Leonard yesterday and how the Suns can attempt to slow him down. I mean, everybody knows what he's capable of defensively. His size, his strength, long arms, um, his his uh, defensive instincts. He's a he's a great two way player in this game, but um, we 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 can figure it out. It, it's not. It's not impossible, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's a great player, but he's also, we also beat him plenty of times in the past as well. So. so how do they do it tonight? How do they beat Kawhi tonight? I don't know. Um, it, I don't know if, how you beat Kawhi. I think you just got to hope that he doesn't make the same amount of shots. Um, it, it, he's just a great player. Like I said in that stat I gave earlier, everything he got in game one was contested. So, yes. yeah, so I, I don't know what you do about that other than maybe try to get the ball out of his hands or li- live with the results. I, I'm not sure. It no. just It's a great player. It is what he is. Yeah, I mean, Tory Craig's right. You don't you don't slow him down. He's going to get what he gets. Where it needs to change is Kawhi Leonard was the best player on the floor in game one. The Phoenix Suns have two guys who can be that guy. Yeah. They need to, one of them needs to, or both of them, yeah. need to be that guy That's tonight. That's it. Sure. Be better than Kawhi. He can score 38, you score 42. Yeah. Because we talked about Kevin Durant and and Kawhi Leonard canceling each other out in this series overall. That was not the case in Game 1. I thought Durant was very good outside of the tentative nature of shooting the ball and and the field goal attempts not being there and the slow start. Uh, But Kawhi Leonard was decidedly better. That can't continue. The Suns Mm -hmm. have to have the best player on the floor. Yeah. Well, uh, for the lack of aggression we saw from the Suns, we sure saw some aggression in the Warriors-Kings game last night. Uh, Looking around the rest of the first-round series, the Warriors are now down two games to Sacramento. Uh, Golden State lost last night's game 114-106 on the road. And the moment that we're all talking about, including us here on this show, uh, came with about seven minutes left in that contest. Monk puts it up. And Curry's got the board. Green gets tied up. And a technical has been assessed. Uh, The bonus is down. Let me say this. Draymond stepped on him, but Sabonis grabbed his leg first. That is true. So DeMontis Sabonis went up to contest a Steph Curry shot. Sabonis fell down. On his way down, he latched onto Draymond Green's right ankle. Very clearly, you know, trying something. It was not a basketball play. Uh, as he tried to free himself, Draymond stomped down on Sabonis's ribs and then hopped out as Sabonis was left writhing on the court. Uh, Sabonis got a technical for the grab. Draymond Green was given a flagrant two and an automatic ejection. Uh, but of course, not before he could hop up on the Warriors bench and and, and rile up the Kings crowd a little bit. Here is Draymond Green on that moment after the game. My leg got grabbed. Second time in two nights. Referees just watch it. I got to land my foot somewhere. And I'm not the most flexible person, so it's not stretching that far. So you didn't really see where you were stepping? You just I, I can only step so far and pulling my leg away. So it is what it is. 
It is what it is. He says uh, negative x-rays on Sabonis's ribs. There doesn't appear to be any sort of injury there. He's just sore is the last we heard. Um, and Draymond Green wants an x-ray on his ankle. He says that he injured his ankle. Mm. Oh, no. Before... Stomping down on yeah. oh, on no. Sabonis' chest. Um, the NBA is reviewing that incident. They could issue a fine or a suspension. We'll let you guys know when we know. Are the Warriors cooked in this series? Are they done? We know that they don't win on the road, and they, they're now in a two-game hole. Do they still have a chance to come back and, and win this series? Yeah, they definitely, they definitely do. But I think the, the bigger question is going to be, what does the NBA do about this? Because uh, Draymond Green has proven himself to be a viciously dirty player, particularly in the playoffs. And at a time when all these fan-player incidents are getting out of control and emotionally charged, to do that to the crowd is exactly what you don't want. You, that's the last scene you want in the NBA playoffs. So I, I think he deserves to be suspended, but at the same time, I I hate for these things. I hate for commissioners' offices to to stick their faces into playoff series. Would a fine? Would a, a large fine do? I don't know. I. He, I'm really kind of on the fence on this. Part of me thinks that the NBA is going to sit him down for a game. I think so, too, but I kind of feel the way that you do. Unless it was really, really egregious and yeah. violent. Like it, it, It's Draymond, so it's magnified a bit. Right. Well, because he does excuses, have a history. Even though, his ex- even though we know his excuse is BS, it's plausible. You know what I mean? Plausible yeah. deniability. I, I think it would be funny if the NBA came out with a statement that said, Draymond Green is suspended for one game, game three. Starting, it is what it is. <laughs> right. Or he's suspended for one game to start the 2023-24 season. That's right. game one. Right, right. That's right. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at the 730. Coming up next. Didn't think there would be this much Russell Westbrook talk in this series, but here we are already in game two. We'll get into that and more next. Suns and Clippers game two tonight. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! Fire! Oh, yeah, it's time for our uh, Tuesday hottest ticket qualifier for game two tonight. And we are looking for Monica Tolliver from Goodyear. Monica, you've got 10 minutes to give us a call at 602-260-9870. That'll get you into the drawing for tonight's Suns playoff tickets. If Monica does not call within 10 minutes, we'll open up the phone lines to someone else. If you didn't hear your name, uh, you can still qualify by texting TICKET to 620-620. Listen for your name in the noon hour. Starting the clock on you, Monica Tolliver from Goodyear. You've got 10 minutes to call. 602-260-9870. thing you know about Whisper is he's going to play hard. Um, he's going to he's going to give it a hundred every time he's out there. We have to we that we have to account for that and uh, and be ready for and match his energy because he came up with some great defensive plays and some some offensive rebounds that that ultimately helped him get the win. Story Craig yesterday talking about the Phoenix Suns needing to match the energy of Russell Westbrook, who's certainly a uh, Tasmanian Devil late in the fourth quarter and very instrumental in the Clippers game one win. Mm. But let's start here, Bick. Let's start with the talk going into this series. I think there was not people within the Suns, but I think people in the Suns fan base that were saying, "Oh, Russell Westbrook, big deal. He's yeah. past. He's past his prime." Yes, not a winning, not a winning player. Nothing to fear yeah. here. The Suns kind of, you know, 
Yeah, and Monty Williams kind of led the parade on. He's a Hall of Famer. Like he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. He's mm-hmm. one of the best point guards ever to play the game. I I can't understand why we're diminishing him this much. And then the Suns kind of went out and played like they were diminishing Russell Westbrook by yeah. not, by not matching that energy. It was curious. Yeah, it was it was very funny. Kellen Olsen, who's going to join us in a little bit, identified Russell Westbrook as his X factor for the Clippers in the series. And at one time he was two for fifteen. He looked at him and he said, "Yeah, he's the X factor, just not for the reasons I thought he was going to be." Uh, Russell Will or Russell Westbrook. What's crazy to me is the lack of self awareness he has. Uh, this is an unbelievable stat. Russell Westbrook has shot the ball over fifty percent. Just five times in 25 playoff games. 20 of 25 playoff games, he has shot less than 50%. So this is this is kind of part of the experience, if you will. But the stick-to-itiveness is something that I think the Suns not only have to match, but learn from. Because that, that, I think, was the story of Russell Westbrook in Game 1. Uh, a game in which he was being roundly mocked while the game was in progress. And then a game at the end of it where his defiance was the difference. And yes. his energy was the difference. He was the guy, and he's a, he is a great rebounder. I mean, he's so athletic and he jumps so fast, he's like a pogo stick. He was instrumental in that in that lengthy possession that changed the outcome of that game. He was. Yep. But it wasn't just... You know, and, and Westbrook deserves credit, but it wasn't just him. Mm-hmm. What he did was remarkable, but it also set the tone for the rest of his teammates. And I think in the last five minutes of that game, the Suns got outworked by pretty much everybody in the Clippers uniform. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that came up in their film study and their preparation for game two. It's the playoffs. If you can't ramp it up, you know, what are we doing here? And, you know, if you can't ramp it up, you won't be. <laughs> you yeah, won't be around very long. You won't long. be in the playoffs. I, and, um, you know, <laughs> Russell Westbrook going three for 19. I said it yesterday. I think Russell Westbrook was a big reason why the game was as close as it was, but also a big reason why the Clippers won, which is a very strange juxtaposition for a single player <laughs> to be able to make those claims. Now, the other story with Russell Westbrook that's out there is his reaction to a fan. Now, at halftime of Game 1, Russell Westbrook taking a shortcut to the Clippers' locker room, cut through one of the, the, the clubs in the bowels of Footprint Center, which mm-hmm. is now an option. Uh, video cameras caught this exchange where Russell Westbrook tells a uh, fan to watch his mouth while also using an expletive, which is, <laughs> again, just rich. Apparently, now we're getting more details on what happened. Mm-hmm. We don't know what transpired exactly, and this is just people claiming that they were there and, and, and witnessed what happened. Mm-hmm. But apparently the fans said the no-no thing to Russell Westbrook, and that is calling him Westbrick. He doesn't like that very much. And there's supposed to be some sort of investigation. I don't think anything's going to come of mm-hmm. it. But I kind of changed my tune. Okay. Like, is it a... Delta Bravo thing for a fan to do in that circumstance? Absolutely. Yeah. Would yeah. I ever do it? No. No. If you, yeah, if you were a father with your kid and a famous basketball player is walking in your presence through a VIP kind of club lounge, yes. that doesn't to me strike me as the time nor the place. But if that's what was said, it's not. It doesn't rise to the level. But didn't no. you have a friend tell you that that what he saw did rise to the level? I, what this person put on Twitter was Russ was not in the wrong. Yeah, 
Right. But that could very well mean we all know Russell Westbrook doesn't like being called well, that name. That's but see, but that's, it's that's not that's offensive. No, yeah. it's not offensive. It's not offensive. And and again, it's a, the point that you made that I think that I gravitate to is that if this is a shortcut for players and players really aren't supposed to be there, then you then you really should have a little thicker skin, maybe not hear anything. But, uh, yeah, I just I still think it's a real kind of Delta Bravo thing to do, personally. I, I totally agree with yeah. you. Now, luckily, nothing actually happened. They just mm-hmm. kind of barked at each other. I mean, the kid just was kept eating his ham anyway, or whatever it was. <laughs> his ham? His ham? They got the best ham down there in those clubs. <laughs> But it wasn't a ham. but it wasn't a kid who said it. It was his no, dad. No, no, no. It. I know. What I'm saying is that, like, luckily, it didn't escalate to physicality. Yes. Because yeah. then, then you'd really have you know the investigation would would be real and potential suspensions and fines and all that stuff. Right now, it's just sort of a bad look for everybody. Yeah, and, and yeah. look, we've all been around parents too. That you know, there's some dads that are around their kids and they want to. Look good, let, my kids. Let me show you how tough dad is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yelling, "Take it like a man, take it like a man." As Westbrook is starting to back off and head back. It to is the, the bigger picture, though, of the fans, especially in this era of online and social media. They don't view athletes and performers as real people. That is very true. It's almost like I, I should be able to say whatever I want to you whenever I want, and you shouldn't be able to respond or do anything. You're a public figure. I'm paying exactly. your salary. Be professional. <laughs> it, it, it's just sort of like the no repercussions era that we live in yeah. and of social media of people just thinking they can say anything to anyone. It's true, but on the flip side, too, Russell Westbrook is among the NBA all-time league leaders mm-hmm. in fans being ejected from games because of he, him pointing them out. Oh, is he? <laughs> oh, yeah. He and well, Kyrie are right up there. <laughs> there was that incident in Utah a couple of years ago with some jazz fans uh-huh. who I think were banned from the arena for for life, was it? At least for or a year. Or was at least for a season? Yeah, I don't remember, yeah. but yeah. It's, yeah. So, yeah, lots of Russell Westbrook talk. Yeah. A guy who was a, a buyout candidate <laughs> and ended up in that situation wow. and playing big minutes for the wow. Clippers. Uh, we had our uh, our qualifier call in once again. Monica Tolliver yeah. called in within the 10 minutes. So Monica five? Yeah, I believe so. Woo! Monica's in the drawing for the uh, Game 2 tickets for tonight. Suns and Clippers. I want to remind you that you still have uh, your chances to win. Just text TICKET to 620-620. Listen for your name in the noon hour and the 5 o'clock hour for uh, today for your chance to qualify. Get into that drawing for Game 2 tickets as the Suns take on the Clippers tonight. That's TICKET to 620-620. Halfway point of today's show. That means the fire. second half kicks off with some fire. Fire. Bickley Blast straight ahead. Fire. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.